Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are back, and uh, what a wonderful weekend of rugby we've had uh, this week. Obviously, and uh, and uh, and Hugh are away this weekend. Uh, they're in France, enjoying some live rugby. So I'll be joined by Kofi, Vuyo, and Jade. And we've got a lot and plenty to discuss today regarding what has transpired over the weekend. And obviously, a lot of rugby taking place today as well, this evening. So we can also do some predictions over that. But first of all, we're going to look at the Springboks and what took place yesterday. We're going to look at injuries, what has happened uh, to Antoine Dupont and how much of an impact that has on the French team. But yeah. I mean, without wasting any time, gentlemen, let's get into it. Springboks versus Ireland last night. Very interesting game. Very interesting takes. We've seen, obviously, over social media in the past couple of hours. Um, that took place, obviously, that uh, a lot of people have their own views. A lot of people have their own takes. But, Vuyo, what is your biggest take from yesterday's game between the Springboks and Ireland? Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, good. Af- good afternoon, everyone. Um, I think for me, it's it's pretty simple. I think when two two of the best uh, defensive teams meet, um, it's gonna go down to the wire. It's gonna go down to who makes the least mistakes and who takes mm-hmm. their opportunities. I think um, if you look at South Africa, for example, they missed one or two um, crucial moments with their on attack and. Ireland also obviously missed one as well, uh, but uh, they, I think it was it was a matter of who's going to make the least mistakes, and I think South Africa obviously uh, made more, and also in terms of turnovers, I think Ireland kept them kept them out quite quite well, made a couple of good turnovers in good areas, which kicked uh, which they kicked into the South African twenty two, so yeah, I think. At the end of the day, look, it was it was a spectacle for us to watch, but uh, I still think the both teams were a little bit uh, holding back on some on some uh, some tactical uh, things. All right, holding back on tactical things, Kofi, you've had a fair share of your views regarding defensive elements or tackles, or actually the breakdown area. I mean, what are the other takes that you have... Uh, what What is your response regarding, obviously, yesterday's game? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I hope everyone is nice and warm. It's very cold here in Cape Town, unlike it should be. Um, what a game, eh? So exciting. Massive build-up. Huge intensity in the game. You could feel it was palpable. Um... I agree with, with Bravik to the extent to say that I don't believe, uh, or let me rather say, in a, in a later stage, uh, in the knockout games, I think both teams will adapt to the teams that they play against, and I think we'll see different tactics. I think this was definitely, from the African point of view, a hit out uh, and an experimentation to a large extent, you know, with their 7 1. Um, my biggest take on the 7 1 is that. If the backs aren't firing, you know, there's very little you can do to change the game. Uh, it's all hell-bent on forward dominance, which SA had, but in clinical moments, obviously, they couldn't put uh, points on the board. Uh, it's a shame because I'm a big uh, Marnie Libok attacking fly-half supporter. Um, 
but uh, we know when you when you miss five five points and in total eleven points um, as kickers, there's definitely going to be changes. Um, so we'll expect to see that. But uh, I think from a physicality point of view, I think the Irish stood up very well. Um, I'm of the, of the opinion that I think uh, to put scoreboard pressure, we probably need to start Ox in Che um, over Malherba. Uh, not over Malherba, over Kitsov, excuse me. And then I'm a bit worried with Malherba's overextension in the, in the scrum. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that later, but um, it is it is creeping in as, a, as an issue. Uh, we conceded a few points against uh, Scotland. Uh, the rugby championships, I have conceded a few points there as well. And then yesterday, I think, uh, there were six points uh, that were conceded in terms of the overextension of, of the tight So I think that's definitely something that the coaches will look at. Uh, from a defensive point of view, I thought South Africa is extremely good. Uh, stood up well in terms of the the, the scramble D. Uh, very impressive performance by Damien Dalendi and uh, Damien Willemser. Uh, I've got so many takes, but yeah, I think, I think all in all, you could see that that was team one versus team two in the world. So, very nice game. Okay, no, fair enough. Very nice game indeed. Jade, um, I mean, we're talking tactical uh, expertise now with regards to looking at this particular game. Where do you think South Africa, or what do you think Rassi and Nina wanted to focus on? purely on this game because obviously uh, Kofi just mentioned 7-1 split so we expect to see a lot of forward dominance we expect to see when the fresh legs run on uh, a change in 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 in, uh, in power obviously uh, up front and I don't think we saw a lot of it uh, in that second half when the when the bomb squad uh, came in I mean what are your takes regarding the 7-1 split and the impact they had yesterday and your overall view of the particular game from yesterday. Ah, good evening, guys. Good evening. Um, good to be back. Well, yesterday, guys, I mean, we, we've heard it on the pod a few times before that, you know, the top four teams in the world is a cut above the rest. And I personally think when those four teams play each other, it's a coin toss on the day who is going to win that game. I think it's very close between those four teams. But... Going on the tactical approach yesterday, I think the box were good at set play in the first half. I mean, they stole a few islands, balls. I have to, again, every time he has a good game on the pod, I'm going to apologize to Franz Mostert. He did very well in the first half. He, had a, he stole a few balls. He disrupted islands' line-out. Um, you know, Island had to basically reset their line-out, went more basic and got Peter O'Malley, you know, um, to bail him out of the line-out and you to get more fluidity. But that was because the box set up and they read their pod system very, very well in the first half. I mean, if you look at it from a perspective where Island has been at, what, 90% um, in terms of the execution when I mean, they have a five-meter line-out, in the Andy Farrell era, something to that effect. I'm not sure that's that's 100%, but I think it's up to 90%. And yesterday they had three lineouts in the box red zone and the box stole the ball or they overthrew it. So that was very, very well done as a positive from the Springbok perspective. Um, in terms of the scrums, the scrums went okay in the first half. Um, not also, they were piggybacked off a lot of penalties, but I do also feel Ben O'Keefe in the first half was... <laughs> the ball was at the back of the scrum and he asked the eight to use it or he asked the nine to use it. He 
he never really gave the opportunity for the second shelf. You know, it was only in the second half we came through. Um, regarding Franz Balerva's overextension, I don't think it's a problem, guys. I find a big, big problem in this World Cup with referees not checking the loose head or the tight head of the least dominant uh, scrummage taking the heat. I think that's a big problem here. Um, I saw it in the first game with Antonio and the crew, and we saw it yesterday with Porky and Franz Balerva. Guys are not taking an heat, and then it looks like they're overextending. Um, they need to sort that out because... I think they, they're dwelling away from scrum dominance over there. Um, the first half at the breakdown, we saw Van der Fleer and O'Malley and Doris, you know, have a field day at the breakdown. They were at ball in hand lots of times. Second half, when Quachra and Eskom came on, it was a different ball game. I think the box controlled the breakdown. Um, so that was a plus from the 7-1 perspective. And I must say, although the box never showed the dominance in the second half, like they did against New Zealand in the game at Twickenham, but Oxen Chair, and Trevor Nyukani, the combination coming from the bench, guys, is explosive. It's, it's, I don't know if there's a team in World Rugby that can contain that. Um, it's, it's very, very positive. However, the box did leave a few points out there on the field. Um, I think that in the second half, they were the better team. But, but guys, I mean, you look at the scoreboard and Ireland managed to win. And from their side, from Ireland's perspective, they'd be saying, well, we won ugly against the second best team in the world. Why can't we win this World Cup now? You know, we don't need to win. We don't need to win good and we don't need to look brilliant and flawless in every win. We can win ugly. And that's how you're going to win the World Cup. Mm. So from, from my perspective in yesterday's game, the overall take, I said, yes, South Africa kicks from Mani Lepok. Um, I mean, a skew throw in from Dion Fori when they were in the red zone. All of those aspects you can look at in terms of the execution. However, you can also look at it from the island perspective, how much confidence you'll get from this game when they had a scrum that was battling and a lineup that was battling as well and they still managed to win the game. So a good game of rugby. Um, I would say let's look forward to it in the quarterfinals again because we're going to get to similar quarterfinals, you know, with this intensity. Mm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Now, we are, as a backline coach, and especially you and Kofi, actually, I can direct this to both of you guys at this point in time. Um, looking at the backs, the Irish backs controlled by uh, Johnny Sexton and obviously Gibson Park, and looking at the Springbok backs, Fafty Clack and uh, and Manny Leebok uh, controlling the both sides. When you look at the both teams, I mean, which backline would you say was more dominant than the other in creating opportunities, in getting their backs into space, in putting their forward pack into uh, a good front football in terms of kicking for um, uh, for, uh, for for what is this territory? Um, which backline out of the two? And Jade will come into the forwards element later. But which backline out of the two was more creative and putting uh, more positive hits on defence, also gaining ground on uh, point of contact? Yeah, I think um, it's actually a very good question because um, I think both 12s had a brilliant game because both 12s were pretty dominant in their area because the 12s were running against 10s. I mean, there was a time where I think Pandiaki uh, got a line break uh, off, uh, I think it was a mistake from Mane Lubak. And the same thing for, for Damien Delende, he got a line break or a mistake from uh, Johnny Sexton. So, yeah, it, 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 you can, I think for me, the, the difference was, as you say, like who, who got the better purchase out of um, 
out of the the whole forward pack. I think if you look at James Lowe's, uh, this is James Lowe. It's um, the wing, uh, left wing. So he was he was quite uh, involved in the game yesterday. He got a couple of turnovers. I think for me, if I look at that and I say, okay, cool. If my wing is if my wing is making turnovers, then what am I? What what else can I? Well, how else can you influence the game? And I think that's that was a very good thing from their side. I I mean I saw Jesse Creel one or two times, but I wasn't uh, convinced. Whereas um, for Ireland, I mean uh, we can we can also say the space was there on the outside, but it's how you get there that is the biggest problem. I mean, both teams scored off uh, wide uh, outside spaces because they obviously they shut the inside. But I think it's a it's a matter of just um, being uh, staying within the game, staying within the game. And I, I honestly think that Christian um, Park had a better game than Faf, and I think that's where it started. And obviously Johnny had a better game than but than Mani. Although I still believe both twelves had a solid game. We didn't see much of the thirteens, uh, but. Uh, uh, Low was was brilliant. Uh, I think I think as a winger to have that kind of influence in the game uh, puts you in a different uh, platform. Kofi, yeah, I have my sentiment around. I think Mani actually played a good game outside of the, the missed kicks, um, and obviously, obviously, everyone's going to dwell on the missed kicks because the game was lost from a points perspective on that. But I thought, you know, his kicking for for Lyon was good. Um, I think his his ability to 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 find the line with very tough angles was good uh, off the left and off the right peg. Um, I think where where Ireland were really good um, was with uh, manipulating with their double swivel plays. Uh, and I think against defences that don't even put as much pressure as what the box do, I think there's going to be even more opportunities for them to score there. Um, the, de- the the defensive system that the box employs really like getting off your off your line and putting pressure on with the man on the ball, you know, uh, and not really managing the space in between players. And I think if you look at the try that was scored by by Ireland um, with Hanson in the corner. Fox actually had numbers, more numbers than what they were attacked. Um, so the double silver obviously creates a little bit of an overlap that side uh, for, for Hansen to go in untouched. But um, I think that game was 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 the parity of, of the forwards um, where the box could have kicked out a lot more and, and backed their line out. Um, they didn't. Uh, and we've always known, we've always seen that money isn't an 85, 90% kicker, you know, um, even for the, for the Stormers, he's not. Um, so I think like back the guys, I think CM mentioned it, back the guys at what they're good for. Um, Money's not really great at kicking for goal, which is why I think Pollard comes in, uh, in place of a hooker. Um, that kind of explains to us what the thinking is behind there, but you've got to back the horse that you've chosen from the get go. So, you know, how that horse runs is also up to you. So I think there was a, a, a locus or a lack of rather leadership in those scenarios, which proves to why the likes of Dwayne Vermeulen is so important 
uh, in games such as this. Uh, see how went off the field and you're probably looking at uh, 10, 15 minutes to go. You've got a new, fairly new uh, seven in there. Uh, go for the line. Use the forward pack a little bit more. Uh, but they didn't use. They didn't do that. They didn't use that. And so I think they they were punished for for that ability to call it when they could. Vuya, you want to share something? Yeah. Look, um, I mean, on what Kofi is talking about, but Lumani, I'm I'm an advocate of um, players feeling happy and comfortable on the field. So. The fact that he started to is starting to use both um, both feet to to put him to to basically kicking for touch or kicking for the lie or whatever it is. I feel like he's starting to get comfortable. But the the biggest issue is that now the criticism will come because no one will talk about no one will talk about the line kicks that he got. Actually, he got some good purchase on the line. I think he got like forty to fifty meters. On, on most of the, the, the line kicks that he got, but then no one will talk about that, but everyone will talk about the post. So for me, I think it's, it's, it's good that he's starting to get comfortable. He's starting to feel, um, pretty comfortable, um, within the jersey. So it's, it's a matter of now, what's the next level? And if he's not going to be the number one, uh, kicker, then we might as well, they, they might as well start looking at who actually can replace that kicking role, but leaving money to book in, in a position where we can be still firing on attack. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Jay, do you also want to jump on to this back line? Yeah. The keys and then we can jump into on the, the backs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now on the on, on the Mani Lepok topic, guys, the thing is upsetting for me regarding Lepok. Listen, Paul has won us a World Cup for Africa at 10, you know. Um, he's a brilliant player. I mean, but he's also being found back, came back from a big injury now. We don't know what Andre Pollard are we going to get, how much game time he's actually had. Where you're sitting with a guy like Manny Lepoque, who's got that backline running. I mean, that backline looks exciting. Look at the try it was scored yesterday. This is evident, you know. But the questions you're getting in the media um, before this game was regarding Manny Lepoque's goal kicking. Um, it's unnecessary pressure on the guy. Um, regarding his goal kicking, it's it's been. I, I still think okay, fair enough. You are in in a spotlight. You are a pro rugby player. You are the the driver that should win the box or World Cup at ten. But sometimes I just think that you know, we, we, the media is out to get this guy at ten. The, the, every little goal kick, every little mistake he makes, there's 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 a cloud over it. Instead of looking at the good that he does, I mean his line kicking is brilliant. He slipped the one tackle of Bandi Aki. Bandiaki ran at him again and he tackled him. It's, it, what I'm trying to say is here that sometimes we just need to look at the positivity, what the guy did on the field. Yes, Mani Lebok is not Andre Pollard when it comes to goal kicking, but who's to say Pollard would have made the kicks? Last thing is Australia. Australia beat us, I think it was in Brisbane, with a tackle that uh, Kurobeti made on Mapipi that game, but Pollard kicked about 60% to poles at there. So it's, it's not uncertain. Pollard is not, he's not Ramos. He's not a Mervyn Jamanet in front of Poles, you know? He, he's, 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 he has got BMT, but I mean, he's, he's not a 95% goal kicker. Um, I'm still saying that, yeah, bring the guy back in, it's fine. But the unnecessary criticism that Mani's got, even before this game, was, was unnecessary. And he's a human being. We should actually learn that, listen, let's protect this guy a little bit because there is a player there. 
Yeah, 100%, 100%. Forward pack, uh, the breakdown was quite prominent uh, last night. The scrums were quite prominent last night. The line-outs were important. So set-piece, very important. Breakdown, very important. Jade, looking at the... Let's start with the set-piece first. Obviously, you also mentioned a bit of uh, the, the the Irish pack not taking the, the hit on engage. And also, let's look at those line-outs uh, and who won those particular... Because rugby, all, all we know is that rugby is about the small battles. And in those within those small battles, you need to really get an... A 70, a 70, 75% purchase in terms of winning those small battles in order for you to kind of completely um, either dominate or also uh, have an edge over your opponents. So let's look at those set pieces from yesterday. You were, you said something about line-outs that the Springboks were, had won over the Irish. Yeah, so the start of the game, the Ireland had, what was it, three or four line-outs in South Africa's red zone in the 22. And you could see South Africa read their pots. You could see it. Um, Mostert, even the, the steal from Peter Steff, the toy on the five meter, they read island spots. And if you're looking at Tennis Bird and you're looking at, okay, Ryan is tall, is over two meters, but Bird is not that tall. Peter O'Malley is not that tall. Doris is not that tall. So uh, the box had the height over them and they read their pots. Um, they stole their ball, they disrupted their lineup. Island, Island went to the back, they went to table. Overthrew it, sometimes the box stole it, so their liners was disrupted. What happened then? Peter O'Malley decided to take, uh, you know, take control of it. They went back to basic lineouts, started to win the ball and started to come right in, get their lineouts right. So the box had them in the lineouts yesterday. And then I must admit, guys, it's a big problem for South Africa if we're going to have Dion Fourie in the last 15 to 20 minutes on the field and he can't execute. A, a front ball from a five-meter line. That's a big mistake that was made yesterday. I also feel that if Dion Fury is playing at hooker, listen, we need to we need to get our tail ball as well and our, you know, we can't just rely on, on our front ball. So that's a, you know, it's, it's a big concern for me in terms of the box. Um, the last 15 minutes, if Pongi does go off, does Fury have the ability to throw the dart? Does he have the confidence to throw the dart? He did throw one yesterday, I must give him credit, but the one that he threw in skew five meters out or ten meters out from the line was, you know, it was a little bit of a soft, um, a, a soft uh, giveaway there. In terms of the breakdown, first off, brilliant from Van der Fleer, Dora Sumali, they were brilliant at the breakdown. Island controlled the breakdown. But then when Quacha and Eskom came on, we hardly heard Van der Fleer's name. We hardly heard Doris's name. You know, the box controlled the breakdown. They started to counter-ruck. They started... You know, they started to get turnovers, started to get penalties. So, for me, the first half, the breakdown was controlled by Ireland. Um, Ireland got a lot of the ball since, but once the box brought on, those two guys, um, Quacha and Eskom, the breakdown changed. Um, Visfuri also came on as well, so they had three out and out, which cool features on the field. The game, the breakdown changed, and the box got ball, front football at breakdown. Interesting would be, what do they do now? Um, is there a place for both Quacha and Eskom on the bench moving forward? Because you do think that once Pollard comes in, um, or let's, let's put it this way, I don't see the box playing a quarterfinal without Philly, Pollard and Dwayne from Yellen in the team. So we'll need to know how we'll handle that. So I think one of Eskom or Quacha would miss out um, to get the balance right. But in terms of the breakdown, like I said, the box in the first off island had the upper hand, but in the second off, once that bombs got going on, um, 
the box rule the breakdown. Scrummaging, boys, I can't say it enough. Boxing chair at scrum time is an absolute nightmare for any single take it prop out there. I don't know how they're going to contain him. I don't know. He is a strike weapon. He is, he meant Trevor is, I, I can't drive enough of those two shorty guys, shorties in front. They are brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That's a real weapon from South Africa. Came yesterday, disrupted Islands back, and we all knew it. We said it on the pod. On the pod. Ireland do not have the strongest props from the bench. I mean, Beetham and the other prop they played us not in the class of Ox and um, Trevor. So the box controlled the scrums in the second half. Two soft penalties, in my opinion. Um, I really don't think that it's a weak extension from Francois Malherbe was fair. And the second one, the early engagement. Conor Murray took his time to throw the ball into the scrum. He did take his time. So really two soft penalties, but it is what it is. Um, Going forward for the box, that scrum from the bench is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I also noticed that the amount of time Murray actually waits and holds it for a bit, uh, and obviously that affects your balance in those scrums. That affects your 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 positioning with your feet, obviously your hips, the back, your shoulders, the bind, etc. Maybe that's something that they've noticed on a tactical aspect in terms of okay. If we hold the scrum a bit longer before we feed the ball into it, then we could get a penalty for overextending or hinging or losing a, a, or losing your feet in terms of also the, the, the elbow pointing down. There's so many aspects that involve uh, penal, penalizable offenses in the scrum area as well. Um, Kofi and Vuyo, your guys' thoughts. Uh, we'll start with you, Kofi. Your guys' thoughts in the, on the forward dominance uh, between the two sides. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ireland stood up very well. Um, I thought uh, Todd Furlong uh, scrummed very well in the first half. Um, just in general, I thought they were very good. I thought Peter Armani was quiet, but he did a lot of the the grunt work if you look at the game uh, closely. Uh, Henderson was very good for the Irish as well. Um, but But the 7-1, I felt worked. You know, I think from an execution point of view, um, the box could have been a little bit better. Uh, I mean, we've spoken about this, I think. Uh, but I think, uh, I think your question is basically leading me to to answer as to whether the, the, the Springboks had the forward dominance that they thought that they would. Um, and I think that, to a large extent, yes, but not enough to justify doing the seven-one split again. Um, I think they'd be more comfortable doing a 6-2 split, um, having two backs on the bench, one of those backs being a pivot, um, because I think there's a lot, there's a few guys that can be a utility that can play either fullback, wing or centre. Uh, and then obviously you've got a scrum off there that can change the tempo and the pace of the game. Um, and then you're looking at six guys off the bench that can come, to, can come through onto the field. 7-1 is a little bit way too lopsided. Um, there's not much you can do off the bench from a backline perspective. And I think that's where the, the issues lie. Like, if one of your centers gets injured, how do you then change uh, the game? Who plays in there? What makes sense? If 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 Creel had gotten injured yesterday, who would have gone to 13? Yeah. Uh, and then so saying, who then would have uh, played on the wing um, had Reinach come on? 
Uh, if Faf isn't having a good game, really, who changes the game? How quickly do you change the game with him being the only long-range kicker that uh, the box have effectively? You know, so I think um, from that experimentation perspective, I don't think it's worth it. I think uh, looking forward, they'll probably bring Pollard in. Um, yeah. And, you know, like a guy like like um, Lebok can basically play the alternate Yankees role. Uh, that first win in New Zealand after a while where uh, the box, I think, 136, 35, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they changed the game. I think it was five years ago. They changed the game in the second half. And that's probably what you're looking for from a guy like Lebok. You know, he changes the game in the second half. What does it mean for guys like Vili Leroux? I'm not sure. Um, but Damien had a solid game yesterday. Played really well, linked up nicely. Um, body language looks good, looks more confident on the ball. There's more time for him to play as well instead of him playing at 10. Um, so, yeah, I think there was definitely parity in the, in the back, in the forwards, excuse me. But um, it would probably lean a little bit more to the South African side having more opportunity. I think in the second half, if you look at the territory stats, I think South Africa spent about 75% um, in Ireland's territory, um, which which talks to the fact that, you know, they had the forward ascendancy in the game and Ireland had to use James Lowe with the long left peg to exit quite a few times. So, yes, but does it justify doing it again? I don't think so. Fair enough. Vuyo, uh, I'm going to be a bit of a conspiracy theorist here before you jump in. Um, we understand, obviously, Group A and Group B uh, very are uh, on the same side in terms of the quarterfinal aspect. Um, looking at the decision-making on that field yesterday or last night, Springboks, 99% of the time, I would say they get a penalty on halfway line, they'll definitely go for touch. Obviously, they back their more, they back their forwards to gain another penalty uh, from a, from a more perspective. And yesterday, knowing fully well that they've got a sixty percent in terms of goal kicking uh, in Mani Libog, sixty sixty five, give or take, they've got sixty sixty five percent in Fafti Clack, and a probably a fifty percent in Cheslin Colby. But they still went for long-range kicks. Now, conspiracy theorists that I am, I'm looking at the groups. Would you say Springboks are backing themselves to play France in the quarterfinals rather than back themselves to play New Zealand in the quarterfinals? But also touching on the decision-making on the field last night. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good question, man. Uh, I don't think. I, you look. I don't think. I think, like, like I said in the first week, uh, the Springboks are holding back. There's something that is not um, like they're holding back. They don't wanna because everyone knows you're gonna keep a touch. You're gonna be in a position where you're gonna drive, right? Everyone knows that. That's the Springbok level, but they not. Um, now they're starting to keep for poles and do all of those other things. And I think that's where, I think that's where, that's why I say they're still holding back on a certain things, on a couple of things. Uh, if you look at this, if you look at the lineouts yesterday, uh, obviously, as Kofi as had said and, 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 and Jade, we, we took a couple of um, balls away from Ireland 
and but we never got the scrum dominant. I mean, this, that's a tactical thing because that's why Ireland did what they did. They didn't put the ball in immediately because they just needed to see if um, if the South African team could hold hold the the the, the, the pressure from the back because because the props are not the props are in charge of the hit, but the pressure has to come from the locks and the and the eighth man. So now they just need to see if they can hold the pressure and. The, like this is what happens when a team doesn't um, go in the scrum with you in terms of the engage. They don't engage. They just wait for you to hit, and then you overextend, which is uh, a tactical thing. And then obviously with the nine holding the ball a little bit longer, and just telling the ref that it's um, it's a uh, stop moving, stop moving, like stuff like that. It, it, it is a tactical thing, and I think it worked brilliantly. Because if you look at the scrums in the first half, they, did, they weren't moving. They weren't moving. They were just uh, solid until obviously the the bomb squad came in, and then they started uh, scrum dominance a little bit. Uh, but 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 to answer your question, I think for me, I still say South Africa is holding back, guys. South Africa is holding back on something. I don't know what it is. Uh, they should be kicking for touch in those instances. I mean, the the fifty fifty what's it fifty two meters. The 52-meter kick, that should have been gone for touch and then drive from there because Manny Levoque is getting good touch finders. So he would have probably put us, what, 10 meters out and then drive from there, but you don't see it. Because that's what I'm saying. They they are doing the bare minimum to win the game. They're doing the bare minimum to win the game, but unfortunately yesterday it didn't go according to plan. Uh, and then on the on the France issue, I don't think I don't think they even thinking that far in terms of who's better to play quarterfinals is in New Zealand or France. I think they just, as I say, they're just going through bare minimum. Make as long as you finish top two, you are safe. But then obviously the time is going to come when they have to face a big team. Yeah, big team indeed, big team indeed. Guys, feel free to also join in uh, as your listeners. Uh, feel free to chime in and obviously share what your guys' thoughts on uh, on what transpired yesterday, uh, last night, uh, in the group. Uh, what what group is this? Group B match between South Africa and uh, Ireland. But we also want to touch on other aspects as well that transpired over the week uh, regarding France injuries, uh, Namibia, and the issues that are happening with Namibia at this point. They've been through seven World Cups, I think. Uh, that's what Alistair Kutsia had said in one of his uh, presses. And I find it difficult for a nation to have been present at such a high, highly rated competition in terms of rugby, uh, in terms of the importance, in terms of showcasing your nation's expertise, your nation's pride in, uh, in, a, in a tournament like this. Uh, and Namibia has been around this tournament seven times and there seems to be nothing that's improving. Jade, we've seen uh, the caliber of coaching that has been introduced to Namibia at this point. But on Friday, or was it Thursday, against France, I mean, they had to make a whole... They, made a, they had to make wholesale changes to their team, whereby France had to play roughly club players, guys who were playing for, hypothetically, uh, uh, Pirates Rugby Club in Johannesburg, Three, three months ago and three months later, now they find themselves playing against world number three, France, in France. I mean, what is what are your thoughts with regards to tier two nations like Namibia 
who don't have obviously the, the the budgets, who don't have the player quality, who don't play enough competition uh, to actually get themselves up there. I mean, we've seen what Super Rugby has done to Drua and Fiji, and currently, I mean, Namibia can never seem to get over the line. What are your thoughts with regards to this aspect? Yeah, you know what, Scoop, um, in terms of Namibia, we can also say that maybe SA Rugby, um, you know, pulling the well-wages from domestic competitions didn't really help them anymore. Maybe there wasn't budget for them. Um, a few World Cups ago, or the last World Cup at least, um, they had a few more guys dwelling around in the Curry Cup, but now it looks really, you know, they, they really don't have those players anymore. Um, so you can't go in, I think, of all of the teams there, Namibia are the least uh, professional. Um, a few of the guys are playing rugby in Israel. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a shame. Um, the guys that said up in Namibia, I mean, they, from where I am, um, you know, we, at school level, so we do play rugby with a lot of Namibians, you know, in the provincial team because they do school in, in the Northern Cape. But you can see that they love rugby that side and they need, they, they need help. Um, they are, I don't know, we will maybe differ because I mean, he's coached in Kenya, but in terms of the 15 man teams, maybe them in Zimbabwe, the only two teams in Africa, you know, that's, a cut above the rest. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but Namibia needs to play more games together against more professional outfits. Um, we've seen with Uruguay what the South American competition did to them. Also, Uruguay do have a team on the seventh circuit. The same with Portugal. That did the opposite game. But Namibia don't have that. Um, they, they're not playing in the, they're not, they used to play in the Vodacom Cup, um, for example. They don't have a team in the Vodacom Cup anymore. They don't have a team in the, in the B division, Karaka B division anymore. Um, some of the guys are playing club rugby in South Africa. And if we're being brutally honest, our club rugby game is not where it was uh, in certain regions, you know, in like four or five years ago. So, I'd say it's a shame. It's really a shame. They are trying. I mean, they've got a very good coaching unit there with Alice Kutsia, Pine, Pinar, and um, Proudfoot. But you can also only coach who you have at your disposal. Um, and what experience do they get? Um, where to from now? What do you do? Do you try and get them into the curry cup? Do you try and, you know, how do you get them in? Where do you create another tournament for them? Um, we we try and get Namibia to be a part of maybe like a a super sport challenge we that's run during the URC and but there's so many there's so many competitions in South Africa it's difficult to to fit them in some way. Um, the other thing regarding the fixtures, yeah, I feel for them guys. Oh, I feel for them. I mean, they've played four games already, right? They played four games already, and it's no, yeah, they played three three games already. But it's difficult for them. Um, it's they don't have a squad. Then they still get thrown to play New Zealand and France within seven days or eight days from each other um, after before they're playing Italy. The fixtures wasn't for them. Um, the fixtures will never, ever be for their two nations at the World Cup. Um, I think the ILB must look at maybe extending the World Cup for another week just to give them some on the end and that their two teams some form of, you know, player protection, player wellness because it's... It's really unfair. You can't go and make 13 changes against the second best team in the World Cup favourites here. No, 100%. Uh, fully agree. Uh, Vuyo, you wanted to jump in as well on this particular subject? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think um, Jade is spot on in terms of um, what it, uh, what the situation is in Namibia. I think for, for me, it's World Rugby is putting in a lot of money towards um, Namibia in terms of uh, the Tier 2, Tier 3 nation. I think we'll go to Tier 3. They, I mean, they put it probably pumping in a, some, a good amount of money in the, in the setup. But the question is, who is auditing that? Who is auditing what, what World Rugby is giving Namibia? Because I can guarantee you, uh, Alistair Kutia, Proudfoot, all of those coaches that are there, they're all being paid by World Rugby. So what is the point? Why are you paying someone if you're not looking for results? Why are you, why, what's the point? Why, why are they pumping in so much money? Because the union, the union is the biggest issue. The union is the biggest issue when it comes to what, what is the vision of the union? I think that's where, when I coached, I coached Namibia in 2015, their sevens team. And it was quite sad for me in terms of what I saw, what they have. And what's the plan with the union? And I and, and I and I would I wouldn't have wanted to be in that situation. But obviously, uh, we had to work with what we had, uh, work with what we have at that time. And and then we got actually a couple of good players. Which I mean, Damien Stevens Stevens was playing for us. Uh, we got I I, I coached JC Hailing at the at the Kings. There was even Johan Tromp at the time. There were a couple of good players, but they not they don't seem to be having uh, enough quality within their system to to sustain it. And and as Jade said, it's unfair that you play Italy first, which is your one of your easiest games in the pool, and then you play New Zealand France, and then you're gonna play Uruguay last. So it's a question of when do you, when are you gonna get the balance of resting players? to try and target one game, which is, I think they would have targeted the, Euro, the Uruguay game, but you're coming off a 96-0 loss and you you are trying to find a way. That's why I'm saying, for me, I think World Rugby has a lot to do with this. Wow, they are pumping in money in terms of coaching staff, paying coaching staff, but then they're not looking at what is happening within the union? Because in Namibia, the biggest issue is the union. Yeah. Kofi? Um, uh, Jade, sorry. Yeah, because, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, they weren't even in the um, the under-20B division this year, you know, the tournament. They weren't even there. I think Zimbabwe was the, the African representative there. So it just shows you that somewhere something is not right in Namibia. I'm, I might be wrong. I, I might be wrong, but I mean, I, I call Zimbabwe being in a tournament. So some, something might just not be, be right in that, in that union. Like, like, like we will say, are we as SRAPI supposed to look after them now? Or, you know, like New Zealand and Australia is trying to do with, you know, the, um, Moana Pacific and the Drua, are, are they, or is it World Rugby? Is there scope to get a Namibian and a Zimbabwean team into some competition, you know? Is this, can, can we do something like that, getting a, you know, maybe mixing off or something like that? But some, they need to, they need to play more games together, guys. We can't just hear the name, the likes of, you know, Damien Stevens only at the World Cup. We need to, we need to see these guys week in, week out in a competition. And that, that, that's not where they'll get better. 
fair enough. Uh, we've got Lux, uh, listener, obviously wants to share some of his views over the weekend, uh, what has taken place. Lux, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Um, I think you guys have raised some very valid points um, over the course of the discussion. Um, maybe just two things on my side, um, two important things. I think firstly, um, I don't think last night's result, and I know we're passionate fans, um, but I don't think last night's result really has a bearing in the context of the tournament. But but we, we can dissect it. But I think if you look at our most important game was was Scotland and, and, and we passed that test, right? We ticked that box. So I think looking at uh, the perspective of uh, the book management or the brain's trust was to say, okay, well, we've passed the test. Whether we win or lose against Ireland, we're through, right? It's either we face New Zealand or France. So what do they do? They take off Dwayne, they take off Philly, and they don't bring in Pollard even on the bench. They do the seven-on split and see what comes about. The second most important factor for me was that the core leadership of that team, especially amongst the forwards, was taken off before 50 minutes. Eben cuts off all taken off and but we were still were able to actually maintain the scoreboard right at the death of that game we actually almost won that game you know uh, uh, in terms of where we were in the field and when that last whistle was blown so for me i feel like no panic stations should be sort of uh, sounded um and and i think there's uh, a perhaps a plan, you know, in the chaos. Um, and I think that there is definitely something that we should look forward to in the quarters. I would definitely at this stage, to be honest, I'd face a French team that is without two talisman, uh, DuPont. Hopefully he doesn't come back by the quarters and, and the Tamak that is, is, is obviously out of the World Cup and a Willem, so that is out of the World Cup. Sure, they've got their centre back and a few, a couple of, of their players back, but I think uh, we've never beaten New Zealand twice in a, in, in one season, um, in, in a number of years, almost a decade or even more. So um, most likely of that happening again, very slim. Um, so I think I'd rather face the French in the quarterfinal. The challenge there in, then lies in the fact that it's a host nation. Um, let's hope the referee decisions are right and the TMOs are able to view their cameras tongue-in-cheek. Um, the second point is that uh, on, on your point about Namibia, and, and I'm really concerned about it because World Rugby seem to have a plan for the likes of... Uh, Argentina in, in, in having a Jaguares team in the Super 14 or Super 16 or 15, whatever it was at that time. And we then saw the improvement in the Argentinian side um, through how they played internationally because they were exposed to uh, the rugby championship. Um, subsequently, they beat all the teams, uh, including New Zealand, in, in that tournament because they had a team that was playing out-and-out rugby week in, week out through Super Rugby. And then they got yanked off, right? So, so then now we, similarly to what's happening with Fiji, that's when Fiji's got that exposure, and then now, now they're doing well. Uh, my concern is you've got the likes of Japan. What's what's the plan with that? And and it's the same story with uh, with Namibia. So I think in having them in the Curry Cup, I don't think that's enough. 
because the Curry Cup now is being viewed as a tournament that is blooding in youngsters, whereas Namibian side is, is, is a senior team that's, you know, competing in a Rugby World Cup. So I think more intent needs to be placed around them having been them and or putting them in a more serious competition um, so that we can get, you know, more competition out of them. We, we saw a beautiful game out of, uh, uh, I think it was Portugal and, and Chile uh, last night or last evening. But those are some of the sort of hints that you get out of putting in competitions, proper competitions for countries, and you get beautiful results. So I think definitely I agree with you guys that uh, these guys need to be, they, they need to get more exposure out of it. Otherwise, it doesn't help uh, us having, f- uh, you know, competition every four years and then we see results like this. Um, but yeah, thanks. Um, lovely discussion. Yeah, those are my two points. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Lux. Vuyo, uh, what are your thoughts regarding, obviously, what is, uh, Lux has shared with us as well? I think we're pre- pretty much on the same line or aligned with his views uh, regarding uh, the pointers against what we've done against Ireland, uh, what is currently transpiring with World Rugby and Namibia. Obviously, having coached uh, Namibia previously as well, you understand the integral detail that's involved within their coaching structures or their union uh, as it in itself as well. Uh, so going forward, what do you think would be the best plans for Namibia currently? Yeah, it's a, it, uh, Jade said it. I think we it's either South Africa has to be the mother board of uh, the uh, union and try and drive uh, things towards um, excellence because in any setup you need you need a, a, a driving force in terms of who's going to be the ex, uh, who's going to be driving the excellence factor and I think that's where Namibia um, falls 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 short because you can't bring in a coach every two years. For example, you bring in Alistair uh, 20, in 2023, you bring in Alistair January to come and try and win one game in a World Cup. So it's quite tough. I think, I think the best thing, like, I mean, like said, uh, when, when I said, when I, when I, when I mentioned that South Africa obviously hasn't given away, hasn't given up, um, haven't given, a lot of game, like a lot of things in these games because they wanted to win, but uh, it goes down with the same thing now. With in terms of Namibia, there's not there's not much they can do except look, go back to the basics, fix the union first, and make sure that you're not just giving money because the, a lot of times uh, I, I was sitting in a meeting actually with uh, with the, some World Rugby representatives, and I got to find out how much money they're giving to. To, to to the tier two nations, it was it's a good a good sum amount, uh, but the problem is that they don't audit the, the the money; they just give the money because you of you in the World Cup. So a lot of people have been talking about now about uh, downgrading the World Cup from those kind of teams to less teams. So which is fine. I think I think it's actually warranted. I think it's it's good. Yes, it's good for it's good for us to see teams like Chile. Namibia, uh, Portugal in a World Cup, but it's actually not good when we see those kind of scores like we we we, we experienced uh, a couple of days ago. So, yeah, I, you, I don't know if there's much that can be done unless the people that are trying to fund the 
the people that are trying to fund the, the, the program can actually take a real look at what is inside the program. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Moving along, Jade, uh, we oh, sticking with Namibia, <laughs> uh, but not moving entirely along. We saw a big impact, obviously, a big tackle that transpired between Johan Dazel and uh, Antoine Dupont on Saturday, on Friday. Uh, there was a big circus, basically, on social media regarding this particular tackle. Obviously, it's a, it's a contact sport. And everyone will get hurt at some point. There will be unintentional head knocks, collisions, uh, rugby collisions that take place. And there seems to be a different narrative with this particular one because it involves Antoine Dupont. I mean, what are your thoughts? Obviously, it it does have an impact on the French team, or we 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 don't know how much of an impact it will have until we see them play against Italy or until we see them play in the first quarter final. But with regards to this, I mean, the, the mood and the, and, the, and the anger directed by a lot of the Northern Hemisphere uh, fan base at Dazel, I mean, are these the kind of things now we can expect with regards to rugby? We're not used to this in a rugby perspective. It's more on the football side where this banter takes place. But now there seems to be a mood that's changed over the years, the North versus South, but it's intensified over these couple of years, especially on a social media perspective. Now we're seeing rugby players having to apologize to other players for making tackles in uh, 2023. What are your takes with regards to that? Oh, guys, like I felt the tackle, he got a red card. He deserved the red, um, but there was no intent from him. He didn't go out to break and to bond the jaw. He got the red card, was a rugby collision. He's got his punishment, but I'm telling you, the guy must be, one day he must be feeling sick of what, what, what happened and what transpired from that. Um, there was no way that he went out on that field wanting to injure Anton Dupont. Um, because the French built us a World Cup around Anton Dupont, it feels like, you know, the world is coming to an end now, which I don't think it is. I think they can still pick up the pieces. Might not be easy, but like... Um, Rock said was um, Intermark and Dupont being out it might not be easy. I mean, it's too big, two of the world-class players being out. But it's not the end of the world. Um, of course, guys, 95, I mean, Michael Jones didn't go to the, come to the 1995 World Cup. New Zealand still made a, 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 um, a final. Um, Dan Court was out in 2011. John Duvalius was out in every single World Cup. Africa sitting without Malcolm Marx. So the show must go on. I mean, you, you can't dwell on it. Yes, Anton Dupont might be the best player in the world at the moment, you know, the poster boy of this World Cup, but the show must go on. And there was no intent from one day, so there was no intent. I mean, I can't take it anymore. Um, social media, keyboard warriors um, criticizing or, you know, saying negative things, causing guys to block or to close the Instagram accounts. Um, abuse of them on, on social media. I mean, we've seen it from both sides. Just in the Super Rugby final, Ben O'Keefe had the same, you know, insults on his account. And I'm pretty much sure you'll get the same insults after last night's game as well. So from both the South and the North, we get those insults. But it's sickening um, to threaten some of the messages I saw, uh, threatening him, 
stating to him that he, sh he should never come back to his club in France. Um, you know, all of that stuff. That was absolutely sickening. Um, the guy did not do, mean to do it. He had no intent to break the bond's jaw. He did break his jaw. Unfortunately, it's a rugby incident. He got a record. But come on, guys. It's, it's a contact game. These things happen. Injuries happen. Yeah, for you. Uh, where sorry, are you there? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Sorry, sorry, Jun. Um, no, yep. I mean, as as Jade has said, it, it was a rugby incident. It's not, it's not, it's nothing heavy. It's nothing. He was no, he didn't intend to do to to obviously harm. But one thing about Namibians, they're quite hard buggers. They like they 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 like the the hardness. I mean, if it's almost like playing between. Uh, Rovers and uh, and collegians. If you're from Durban, you will know that that game is like a big game. So it's like a UCT Marty's game. So for them, that's how they play their rugby every day. So yeah, I think for me, it's 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 actually ridiculous to think that someone would be going out there to injure someone. And even if they did injure, even if they did injure um, Antoine Dupont, if they if they if France World Cup is over, then let it be over. Because it's a it's a rugby incident. There was no intent, and if they want to ban Diesel for the next uh, two or six months, I don't. We, we don't care because we. The 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 big thing here is, what how how was it supposed to? Uh, how was it supposed to make the tackle? Was it supposed to lie down and make the tackle, or was it supposed to try and stop the guy from creating something special? And for me, he tried to stop him. Yes, in an illegal way. In, it was a head clash. It wasn't a high tackle. It was a head clash. And because it was a head clash, I don't think that is a, uh, I will call it a, an illegal situation. I will call it it's a rugby collision. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's, it's just it's ridiculous what people are thinking out there. But anyway, it's uh, Jean Diesel, I, I would have never apologized because, I mean, for me, it would have been... <laughs> Yeah, it happened, it happened. So I'm out. I've got a red card for it. So that's it. I, I, I feel very strongly about it. And that's why sometimes I I even don't even watch much rugby uh, lately because of that. Because of there's so many things that can turn a game. I mean, look, look at it, this situation. You get into a quarterfinal. You're going to play New Zealand or France. First tackle, you want to be, you you are pumped. You are you, you want to be cleaning out a, a player. And then you, you get a head clash and you get a red card. That's your quarterfinal done. And that's possibly yeah. your team's quarterfinal done. So for me, that's why I'm, I'm, I, I actually think there's so much that can be done in terms of what we look at, what is the intent of, of, of the situation. And then they can make decisions from there. Yeah, no, fair enough. Understandable. Uh, Jade, yeah. Can I say something controversial, um, Scoop? And I'm going to get a lot of stick up from those, from our viewers. But the lock of France, the tackle that they had on Uruguay, on, on, against Uruguay, there was more intent in that tackle, and it got a yellow card, than the intent that you want Diesel to add on, on, on Anton Dupont. I'm, 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 I'm blood serious about it. It's, 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 yeah. There's a big difference, you know? There was, there was more intent and more force in that tackle than from what you want Diesel to yeah. add to Dupont. Actually, there was not even a rap, an attempt to rap. He literally exactly. leaned up with, with his shoulder into the head. Yes, the guy was being tackled by someone else, but we understand, obviously. I mean, yeah, there's, a, there's there seems to be more leniency 
Uh, I think Ulwak also mentioned this in his uh, in his uh, in his uh, chat earlier as well regarding France. If any team meets France in a quarterfinal and fr- and everyone is more leaning towards France making it to the final, so that quarterfinal is going to be difficult. First of all, you are you both fighting against French 15, uh, 23 players and. Chances are the referee is more lean, leaning towards the 50-50 decisions will probably lean towards France in that quarterfinal and the semifinal and most probably the final itself. So, yeah, it's very important that we get a bit of consistency. We get a bit, a bit of um, um, proper refereeing or officiating within these games. And obviously we don't get uh, negative out out outreach or negative comments from fans in this regard because fans now are starting to understand the game fans now are starting to understand the law and every single incident is scrutinized so referees need to also be accountable for making good decisions they've been refereeing for a very long time they need to make good decisions accountable to their decisions and also just be fair on everything you, on all calls that you make in every single rugby game as well. Lots, your your final thoughts, and then uh, we'll make some predictions for this rest of the week and the games coming up. Yeah, I, I think we've got a um, interesting couple of weeks ahead of us. I mean, we, we've got a, a good game coming up between Tonga and uh, Scotland. And uh, don't make a mistake that thing is going to be easy. There's quite some formidable players in that Tongan side. And then later on, obviously, it's Eddie Jones's decider. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen some headlines coming out that he applied for a job in Japan. So, you know, we don't know how the players are taking that. So, um, and I think then going forward, the, the, the Springbok management team has got some interesting decisions to make in terms of who they put in, who they, who they take out. Um, yeah, especially considering money the books uh, playing, but but yeah, some interesting uh, perspectives that are going to come through in the dying minutes or in some of the dying days of the pool matches and the, the qualifiers. But I think all in all, it makes up for a good humdinger of uh, knockout rugby, which is what we all want as uh, rugby playing uh, or, or, or rugby fans. Fair enough, fair enough. Buyo, uh, Australia. Wales tonight, your predictions? Uh, 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 Eddie is back. Am I, Enough with the croissant. <laughs> my favorite person, bro. My favorite person. My, my the one of the best coaches I look I look up to. Yes, it's tough. I'm gonna go with a win for Wales, but two points but i'm not i don't know i don't know there's something with the wallaby squad man that that's not settling for me there's something about the wallaby squad because they they come out the blocks very well and then there's there's a phase where they lose it where you don't know what are they doing what are they trying like there's no one playing so for me i'm gonna go Wales. i'm gonna go Wales by probably five points okay uh, Jade, Wales, oh, Australia. No, 
draw. I honestly think this game could be a draw. I promise you guys. I, I honestly think this game could be a draw. But you know what? I want that. I want that Australia England quarterfinal, guys. I just. I think I just want that. I've been looking forward to it. I think the build up to it will be brilliant. Um, so that's why I'll go for the Wallabies. And for the game before that, I want to say Scotland against Tonga. Pray for Tui Pelotu. Pray for Tui Pelotu from Scotland because Tongan are going to target him at centre. So pray for him, yeah. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. Gentlemen, we've come to the end of our instalment tonight. Thank you very much for making time. And uh, let's see each other next week, Sunday. But obviously, we'll be having enough engagements throughout the week on our social media platform, Twitter, and uh, sometimes Facebook as well. But yeah, enjoy the Sunday. Enjoy the rugby. Jade, you want us to throw in final words? Well, guys, um, yeah. So Friday night, I'm feeling nervous with All Blacks against Italy. Um, I hope Foster doesn't be Foster and embarrass us. So yeah, um, I'm low-key stressing over that one, but okay. Uh, enjoy your week, guys. Enjoy your heritage day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Have a good, have a good Sunday. Bye. Yes, boys. Cheers, uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us, Rod. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.